0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. My name is Bella and we're here for another week, which is exciting because it's sunny and it's Sunday when you listen to this and I am anxious today. Like being honest, we're just gonna put that out there at the very get go. I'm anxious today. I feel very like, I just need to take a deep breath. We'll take a deep breath. It's fine. I don't know why, I do know why I'm anxious. I'm anxious because I'm going back to London tomorrow and it's like, change again. And that makes me anxious, being honest. I don't, like, I always find leaving Scarborough and leaving home really hard. And I don't know why, because I have a lovely life in London and I love my life in London. I love my friends in London. I, I love everything about London. But I just find it really kind of, I don't know, hard leaving. It's just tricky, you know? It just makes me feel a bit sad, to be honest, which is silly, because exactly what I said, I have such a lovely life in London, but I just have this kind of, I'm not good at saying goodbye. I'm really shit at saying goodbye. There's one thing I have not made clear on this podcast, it's probably my inability to say goodbye to people. I will cry at any goodbye, maybe that's true, I will cry at any goodbye, a new little motto, (laughs) but I honestly will, like Louis left yesterday to go back to Manchester and I was in bits, I was in bits and I don't know why, it's because we said goodbye and we were both in Scarborough and it was like, it felt different, it felt like we were properly saying goodbye for a long time and it's not even that long, I'm literally not going to see him for like three or four weeks, that's not that bad, we've done so much worse before, like I've done six weeks, seven weeks, do eight weeks one time that was really long that would not recommend that but we've done like like longer goodbyes beforehand and this one wasn't even that bad but i think it's because we're at home it feels like i'm saying goodbye to more things it's so silly i don't know if it's because i used to find university like really hard and i really used to not like going back home because i didn't feel super comfortable there and now that kind of like triggers like back to me not wanting to leave and also right i don't want this to be like an emotional podcast because it's not I'm not feeling emotional, I'm not letting myself cry about leaving because it's silly because I have such a lovely life in London and there's nothing happening for me at home and my opportunities here were very small and it wouldn't have led, led me to the life that I wanted to lead. But every time I come home and then I have to leave again, I start to think about everything that, like, I'm leaving behind I basically catastrophize the situation I make it into this like big thing of I'm actually leaving everything and that I start realizing that I'm never going to live at home again and everyone keeps telling me this as well and they need to stop they do not realize how emotionally damaging that is for me as a person to be like you're never going to live at home again and I know most people probably find that like very exciting and everything it is exciting but when I'm given something like that I'm like oh my god that's it And I've literally list every single thing I'm going to miss out on in my life, even though I wouldn't actually want to live at home again. Do you know what I mean? Like full time, full time, full time. Well, actually, maybe I would. No, I wouldn't. Oh, it's like I'd want to live my family again and my parents again because I love living with them. But I wouldn't want to actually live at home again because the implications of living at home are not great. You guys definitely just heard that. I'm recording the podcast and my family all know this and they think it's really funny if they shout things in the background. So if any of you are listening to this, mum, if you're listening to this right now, thanks for that. Thank you. Thank you. But as I was saying, I probably wouldn't actually want to live at home again because it means that I couldn't be doing and achieving the things I actually want to achieve. But I still find it hard. I find it hard saying goodbye to people. I find it hard saying goodbye to my grandpa. I can't cry. I don't want to cry. I need to stop. Like, this is not that emotional. Maybe, guys, maybe I'm on my period because this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, this isn't that sad. I'm just going back to London. I've just come home for 10 days. Right. This is the only thing that I don't know if I'm just like high promotional or is the emotional ADHD dysregulation. I don't know what it is, but I'm an emotional person and I will cry at anything. I was watching a video yesterday about, oh my God it was, oh, you should have heard me. It was awful. I've realised the reason I like TikTok is because I get suggested really great videos and I actually think they're really interesting. <laughs> so this is why I spend so much of my life on TikTok. One of you guys asked like a few weeks ago, like, what's your toxic trait? And I think my toxic trait is that I, to- toxic trait, it's like I actually enjoy being on TikTok. I actually quite enjoy it sometimes. I lo- I get loads of nature videos and My favourite animals, whales of all time. Absolutely, I love a whale. I don't know what it is. No one judge me for it because some people, you know, I just think I would actually cry if I saw a whale shark in the ocean. There would be tears. I cried when I saw a dolphin. I don't know what it is, but emotional attachment. Very emotional person. This is what you're faced with. I wouldn't cry if I saw a great white shark, though. That would actually be really scary. I used to have this obsession when I was a kid with sharks, like proper obsession i would watch shark week whenever that shit was on i would watch it all the time i would used to watch like I used to watch all the really weird TV shows like Deadliest Catch, loved that. Whale Wars, I loved that. Me and my dad used to watch Whale Wars literally every single time it was on TV. If you guys don't know, it's like where whaling is legal in Japan. It's these people that go and like attack the whaling ships, and it would be like, like the, what was that noise? Like so all of a sudden it was very intense, and they'd be going on, they'd be going along, and then they'd hear that a whaling shark with like a whaling boat was nearby and all of these sirens would go and would be like, Now that I can't make a siren noise, I'm now realising in this moment of <laughs> explanation. But imagine insert siren noise here. But there'd be like siren noises coming on. And then all of these people would go by in like little boats. They'd be going around the main boat and they'd be throwing things out the boat and like trying to shoot them down with water. No guns obviously that's illegal. Um with water and stuff to stop them attacking the whales. And back to the tiktok video this tiktok video it had the siren from the purge that's how it started it was like the big one the big scary purge siren which slight sidetrack how weird was it that we all watched that age 14 15 like i was obsessed with them no my sister was obsessed with them Maybe obsessed too strong of a word, but we both really liked like wanted to watch them. I think it was like curiosity because we didn't know what they were, but like they are dark films. They are really, really violent. Um, but it was that Purge Siren came on, and all of a sudden you just see these two massive, lovely grey whales swimming in the sea, side by side, centre of it, and this is drone footage here above. And then you just see this orca coming from the bottom, an orca's a killer (laughs) whale. That's not even that complicated. I don't know why I'm acting like a whale expert. I know no knowledge on whales. I just like watching TikToks about them. And now I'm here like an orca, a killer whale. You know, maybe I am an expert. Maybe I'm going to swap my career path. But they're swimming along in the centre like... And the siren starts. And all of a sudden, you see this like black mass of bodies coming up. And it's killer whales, orcas. Forty killer whales attack these two gray whales, and these two gray whales are quite bigger. The killer whales are coming at them and they're biting them. It's like this fight to the death. And God, I was emotional. It was quite scary to be honest. I really didn't enjoy it. And it was at that point that I realised why I'm scared of deep water. I'm really, really scared of deep water. I'm now realizing i I'm oh oh no, I'm actually really frightened about it every time I think I'm not that frightened about it, I think about it again, and I think what I would actually be like like what would be what would be my worst fear? Maybe I shouldn't say this to all of you in case any of you ever use it against me, but my worst fears would be a ledge which I have to walk across that's really high. If you make me walk across that, I'll cry. If I've been on... The weird thing is, it's not being high up in a roller coaster where I'm strapped in because I feel safe in that. And it's not... Oh, I don't know, actually, I don't want to risk it. But, like, and it wouldn't be paragliding and it's not being in an aeroplane, it's not being high up, it's being on a ledge... Or something where I'm in control of, like, me being that high up. No. And it's not like I can do it. I really can't. I'll just cry. I'll properly just cry. And, like, I will be shaking. That's not very fun. Other really massive fear. Deep water. Nope. No, thank you. I have this really vivid, really vivid memory. I have two, actually. And I'm now realising one of them is definitely not real. And I have made up when I was a kid. But I thought I saw a whale shark in Croatia. Totally impossible. That is not what happened. But I went under the water and I saw the whale shark top. And I literally told everyone that I'd seen a whale shark. And my family, my family pretended to believe me, which is borderline cruel. Is borderline cruel because you know what happens when you say you believe children? The children think they are telling the truth, and they tell many people that they have seen a whale shark in Croatia. And you get some strange looks when you start telling that story at school. But anyway. The other point when I was really scared of deep water was we went to Croatia and you know those, it was on the same trip, you know those pedalos with the slide at the bottom, okay, oh my god it was so scary. So, we were on the pedalos, and I didn't really know how scared of deep water I was. And I went to the top of the slide, went in really deep water, and I get such bad intrusive thoughts that when... I don't know if it's called intrusive thoughts, but I think it is. And As soon as I hit the water and I closed my eyes, all I could think about was a giant squid coming to attack me and, like, dragging me down. That's all... I closed my eyes in that water, and that is all I could think about. And the same things happen when I was in... when we went to... Me and my boyfriend's brother and his girlfriend, when we all met up in Bali, we did this like underwater diving experience, diving, scuba diving, because there's um, an underwater sculpture statue thing that you can go and see. Well, we jumped in and all of a sudden I couldn't see the floor anymore again. And I was like... Oh no, and it's like you. Know, oh, I just really don't like it where it's like really inky blue water and you just cannot see the bottom. It was similar when I went swimming with the dolphins, and oh, I think because I was so happy in that experience, I was fine about it. Oh, I've just got shivers thinking about it. But like, if you just told me to go swimming in that, no no chance. I really find it really very scary. That would be a top 10 worst fit. We should probably go on to the life update. I don't know why I've gone down this absolute rabbit hole of my fear of deep water, but this week has been a good week and I've loved being at home and I've done so many nice things. My boyfriend came back for the middle part flight from... Sunday to, he left yesterday, so Sunday to Friday, which has been really nice. It's been nice to have some time at home. And I've realised in London, I really miss being able to just go for lovely walks places. Like I went on such a lovely walk just now. I went across all of the beach. My dog was a nightmare. She's got issues. She's not a normal dog. Um, But anyway, we went for a lovely walk today and I just miss that in London. Like, I don't like that there is no way you can just go and escape to and I'm gonna try next week and find somewhere I can go to like maybe I might go north London because isn't there like the Hampstead Heath I don't know where that is and I've never been so I might do that I think I will do that at some point um but no it's not called Hampstead Heath camel Hempstead. I actually have no idea what it's called, but I know there's somewhere nice that you can go that's a bit more countryside-y. I think there's deer there as well, but I just miss seeing the sea. It's so... I think when you grow up next to the sea, you really miss it when you're not there. It's really interesting that, like, that's something you think about. You don't think about missing, but it is something that you miss. I think it's something that makes me feel calm, and I think being able to not see where it all ends is calming as well. Like, not being able to just see the horizon and not feel as claustrophobic is a really relaxing feeling and I miss that in London but we have had a really nice time I've just eaten chocolate and just had a lovely time really I haven't really done much but I've just relaxed and that's been really nice as well I think I needed to have a bit of a break from everything and focus doing stuff on the podcast as well like I've done some I've made some things that are coming up with the podcast I don't want to talk about like straight maybe I will talk about it now I don't know I feel like I need to do like whole announcements thing for things coming up but I've just been trying to work out ways that I can make the podcast work for itself and the podcast will always be free always that's never gonna change and I want like if I was to do ads on the podcast it's such a personal thing to me the podcast that like the ads would have to be a very personal thing as well oh I've just realized there's a motorbike competition in Scarborough like quite a lot with quite a famous like race course and you are going to be able to hit all of it so I'm sorry about that but um like oh, the podcast will always be free if I do ads I want to only pick things that I'm really passionate about that like I really use to recommend to you I do just want to be selling you all like weird stuff and I feel like it would lose the kind of fun like the closeness of the podcast I can't intimacy that's what I mean I feel like we're friends on a FaceTime call, and if I'm here being like, and now buy this, it wouldn't sit right with me, so I don't really want to do that, like, there's probably a few ads, maybe, if I already use the products, but I don't know, am not really, like, thinking down that road, so then I was thinking about making a Patreon account, because there's so many other things that I want to do, I want to interact more, I want to create more of a community, but I can't do that if I have to carry on working full-time, whilst doing my masters full-time, whilst creating content full-time, like, Whilst also making sure that my mental health is okay, that I don't massively push myself under because I've realised that I tend to push myself really hard and then I make myself get to breaking point and that's not necessarily healthy. I don't have a switch off button and so it's important for me to find ways to make this all work whilst equally, like, prioritising that need for switch-off time as well, and so that's why I think Patreon will be really good, and I think I'll move eventually, not yet, like, if you get the newsletter, don't worry, there's nothing changing straight away, but whilst, like, we work out what type of newsletter I want to create, that'll eventually move on to the Patreon account, which will be about, like, I know it's not going to be expensive, it'll be about a cup of coffee a month, so it's nothing, like, I don't want it to be crazy expensive, it's literally just going to mean that I don't then have to work as many hours, it's not going to be, supporting my entire life in London that would be crazy imagine no um but it'll just mean that there's another place where I can create a better community feel to things where we can have Q&A sessions where it's like we're all on FaceTime together where we can have like goal setting and kind of Zoom calls where we reflect on the month where we set our goals for the month like create more of an accountability like a community amongst us because I think all of us think so similarly and like I interact with all of you but I want you guys to interact with all of you as well because I know that we'd all get on really well and this is something that I really want to facilitate but I can't facilitate in my own free time right now because I just do not have the right time so I need to make things overlap and one of the ways I can do that is on Patreon and then also it's the people that want it then can have it but you'll always have a podcast so it's like it's not like you're losing anything if you don't want it I never wanted it to be like that I know some people have moved the podcasts to be on Patreon But I don't want anyone to ever have to pay for them. That's never gonna, like, happen for me, personally. That's not something that I want to do. It'd feel wrong. Like, it would just feel wrong. You've all supported me so much that it would just feel wrong to do that. And so, that's why I'm gonna move the extra things onto Patreon account, you know? The little added extras for people who want more, for people who want, like, merch and things like that. Then that can be on that. I feel like that's fair. I feel like that kind of makes sense. Um... But yeah, anyway, this week has been a good week. I am happy. I am smiling. I have been anxious a few days of the week. I've been smiley the other days of the week. I have actually felt very happy. And it's nice. I've woken up feeling happy. And my routine of doing those good things every single day has been good. I found it a bit hard to stick to when I was with my boyfriend because we were just kind of doing our own thing and it's kind of hard then to make time for yourself especially when you know it's not forever it was like a finite amount of time so I was like well if I skip my routine today it's not the end of the world and this is something that I'm learning and kind of relates to this week's podcast episode about stress but it's something that I'm learning to be more aware of is These things that I do are meant to support me in living my life to the best that I can. Gratitude list is meant to make sure that I feel grateful for things each day. If sometimes I can't write the gratitude list, if sometimes I'm doing other things, but I felt happy, I felt grateful, then that's also very similar, you know? And adding stress onto myself and not completing these things, that's not helping anyone. That's kind of facilitating the problem, if anything. So that's something that I'm kind of aware on and trying to work on, is that if I don't do these things every single day, it's not the end of the world. But I'm really going to try and kind of not hold myself to it too much if I fail, because I'll just try again tomorrow. Tomorrow's a new day and I'm allowed to start again. And that's kind of how I've been today. You know, today's the first day where I've been on my own again. And next week, I know with the gym, I'm going to start that back again. And I know I'll feel so much better when I am doing that. And I'm glad I've got a week where I can just get on top of everything. You know, start a bedtime routine again and waking up early again. Because like, I've just been sleeping whenever, because I had, could have be able to. But I think... It's nice to be able to start getting yourself settled before everything starts. So I'm excited about that and to kind of get back to it. And I think that's been the good thing about coming home is allowing myself to feel regenerated, so that when I go back, I do have the space and the time, the headspace to want to do these things. Sometimes, like absence, really makes the heart grow fonder, and you just need to have a break from literally doing everything that's good for you. Get yourself bored to stop. Like, don't restrict yourself. Literally, whatever you want to do. And then you'll find yourself craving that routine again. And that's literally where I am now. But we should probably move on to the topic of this week's podcast, which is stress. If you didn't know, I well, if you didn't, I literally posted an Instagram story about it. So you probably don't know. But when I was in December to January, my heart rate, my resting heart rate, this is was at 80 beats per minute. That's not healthy and as soon as my exams dropped, it dropped down to 50 beats a minute and it got me thinking a lot. I hadn't noticed this before and it got me thinking a lot about the impact that stress has on my life and it's been something that I've been really struggling with and it's been something that I really want to talk about because although I have been stressed throughout my life, stress has never had physical implications on me ever like it's always just been a mental thing whereas this is the first time that stress has ever ever manifested physically in my body and I've had reactions from it and so it's something that I think is really important that I talk about especially as kind of a reflective tool to look back on to see how I felt this time in like a couple of months to see if the things I implement actually do make a difference but yeah so this is why this week's podcast is all about stress But quickly, before I move on to the content part of this week's podcast, I just wanted to say a massive thank you for you guys for being here and listening. It honestly means the absolute world to me. I literally just record this in my bedroom. But to know there's so many of us out there who are listening and, like, joining in the community, it really, really means a lot to me. If I could just ask one thing of you, it would just be to press subscribe to the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, i guess three things, and then follow me on Instagram and on TikTok because it's these kinds of metrics that I can then, I know I don't want to do, kind of, um ads and things like that but if I want to create events in the future or brand deals or anything like that and grow you've got mail so I can provide more stuff for you guys then those are the kind of metrics that really really help me interact with different brands and consumers so that I can kind of sell myself to them and if you enjoy the podcast that would be a massive massive help but anyway on to the content part of this week's podcast and thank you for listening I love you <music> So as I said, this week we are talking about stress because it's something that I've always struggled with. I think having ADHD and then having also a very, like, hyper-anxious personality just makes me very stressed. Like, if I'm ever like, oh, that makes me stressed, my boyfriend's like, funny that. Strange that that makes you stressed because, you know, you're not a very stressed person, are you? You don't really get stressed easily. And I was like, rude. Because a lot of things do make me a little bit stressed and I don't know why I think maybe it's because I literally think about every possible scenario that could happen I can imagine it in like 30 seconds like what so we're doing something and then I literally think about every outcome from that I never just accept something as just being it like if you tell me we're doing something I'm thinking about all of the ways that plays out and impacts my day and it's a really annoying way of being sometimes like it's good because it sometimes means that I can imagine When something isn't going to work, I know straight away why something isn't going to work. I never really, like, forget things or, like, can't think around things. But it also means I can't really be present in the moment. And it also means sometimes I overthink really silly things and make myself very, very, very stressed about it. Like, I got, I have this green jade bracelet from Bali. This is a perfect example of this. I have this green uh, green jade bracelet. It's really pretty and I love it. And I got it for myself when we were at this special, like, market in Bali. Lovely she told me, it can go, like, the lady who sold it to me told me, you can do anything with it, swim in it, go in the beach, and, like, literally, it's not going to break, don't worry about it, and so I did just that, I jumped in the swimming pool in it, like, had a lovely time in it, didn't think the swimming pool had chlorine in, and so it started to, like, damage the beads, and the beads are now, like, a le- like when I first bought it, they were, like, a bright, bright green, and now they're lesser green, and when that happened, I was really upset, like, really really upset it nearly ruined like two days of the holiday because I was so upset and all I could do every time was hyper fixate on the fact that I had lost that the beads weren't that green anymore and the reality is they're now gone like a pastely green which was even prettier than before like I actually liked it more but if something's not perfect then I hyper fixate on that thing not being perfect rather than accepting that it's not it's okay that it's not perfect and realizing that it doesn't really matter and this is something that I think about quite a lot I think it gives me quite a lot of extra added stress which is why it's really important that I learn to manage these stress levels because it can't be healthy for the way that I'm constantly acting it can't be healthy to be this like stressed and anxious and overwhelmed and blah blah blah, blah, just yo-yoing all the time and I think looking at my heart rate really emphasised that to me that before I don't I don't know if it's just a corresponding with me getting more settled in London and getting more like comfortable in where I am but before I was in, like, last term, when I look at my heart rate, it was so much higher than it is this term. When I look at things like my heart rate at Christmas time, as I said in the beginning part of the podcast episode in the last segment, it peaked at 100, not 100, at 80. And it's really interesting that it peaked at 80, and it only came down after exams, but it's been coming down slowly ever since. Like, I have an Apple Watch and you can like look at your heart rate throughout that. And when, I'm going to go into my health data now, but when I go into my health data and it just takes like a second and I look at my resting heart rate and I look at it for six months, it's like the lowest it's ever been. The end of March, it was the lowest it's ever been. It was 54. And it's really interesting that when I look at the peaks in my heart rate, it peaked when I was in Bali. That's interesting, isn't it? I don't know, maybe that was just because I was really warm and did a hike that week. So maybe that doesn't count. But anyway, it peaks when I am in the beginning. It's so interesting. It peaks in September when I was in Bali. And then when I was moving to London, that's interesting. It peaked in London. And then it dropped at the beginning of October. And then it is a slow, constant rise from October to December. And then in the middle of December, it peaks the highest it ever is. It goes to 80 on the 18th of December. And then it rapidly drops after my exams are due to 55, increases again once I start back at uni, increases again in the week where all of my deadlines are due, like to another high point. It then starts decreasing again, increases again on my next next deadline day, drops, and then slowly increases and decreases, but kind of stays in the 50-60, which I think is fine. And I just think it's really interesting that you can literally see when I am stressed about deadlines and exams when my heart rate peaks, when my heart rate is stressed, when I'm not coping well. And then I think it's also really interesting to note that my heart rate drops to the lowest it's ever been as soon as I started exercising properly. And that's also what I want to come on here and talk about today is the way that we can minimize the impact that stress is having in our lives, because I've been doing a lot of research about it. And it's really, really damaging. It's really damaging. A lot of you actually, you guys probably don't know, I don't know if I've been talking about this much on here, but I've been really struggling with my skin really struggling. I've never had sensitive skin before. I've never struggled with my skin. I've been really, really lucky. I know a lot of people do struggle with their skin. I am sensitive to that. And I know I've been really lucky with mine. Um, And so when I was at Christmas time, my skin fled up to this eczema, and I've never had eczema, I've never had sensitive skin, and so I was really shocked to experience it, and it was really, like, red, raw, painful, really painful. It was hurting, my face was a bit swollen, and it happened all around my eyes, all around my eyes, um... Like, I was circling both eyes then, so I don't know why I said it twice. Then it happened around my nose, it happens on my chin. And my face, if you look in some of my TikTok videos, go onto my TikTok account and look at the one which I just posted. My face is so red and it's so warm and my skin's so reacting to the stress. And my eczema, which I've never had before, peaked just as I came, it was just about to start peaking, just as I, my heart rate just was about to get really, really high. And I think the correspondence between those two kind of how they seem to impact with each other is really interesting and it's something that has made me even more aware of the dangers of excess stress. And this got me interested in, like, why is there a relationship there? Or is it just because the house was like damp? Is it because of other reasons? Is it because of the food I was eating? Is it just like natural? Like, was that always going to happen? Like, what was the reasons behind it? Kind of not going to be interested in the reasons behind what was going on. And so I did some research about it. And it turns out when you are stressed, your cortisol levels in your blood rise. And then this can result in eczema because it causes a hyperimmune response. Like when you look on, kind of look on different websites, look online. I've read this thing by Pfizer. Who said that stress has always been shown to have a scientific link through a variety of mechanisms to impact our immune system and skin barrier, which may contribute as an exacerbating factor to eczema? So when you encounter a stressful situation, your body has a physiologic, physiological reaction, which is referred to as the fight or flight response. Like we all know that—that's that instant when something big or bad happens, and you get your heart is like racing, like bum 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 bum, and it's beating so fast, and you feel so overwhelmed, and you don't know what to do, and you're trying to work out what you're going to do in that scenario. And for me. That happens when I'm like, can happen at any point, but like exams are a key one when I have deadlines due, when I have to make decisions, like all of these different things. And I think having ADHD means that I kind of like dither a lot with decision making and that can make simple decisions. Like today, picking what shampoo I'm going to have. My heart rate was going. It was fight or flight response about which stupid shampoo I'm going to pick. You know what I mean? That's exhausting. But these constant fight or flights not being able to control my stress levels is mean that this fight or flight response is something that I'm... Reacting to quite a lot, and I know the fight or flight response. Like we understand why it was important. It first came about in order to protect us from things that were going to attack us. Like if you are back in like the prehistoric, no, we weren't. I don't know. You know the ages where we were like, I can't remember the name, but many, many years and many years ago, when it was the first humans and we saw a lion, and it was like fight or flight. You've seen a lion, you need to run or you need to fight. Life or death. Okay makes sense to have a fight or flight response then. That makes total sense. But the reality is buying a shampoo is not life or death. Equally, an exam, not life or death. A deadline coming up, not life or death. But because I think in our world, these are the stresses now. Reality is I'm not touch wood, it would be an awful shame if I did get now attacked by a line because I've jinxed myself, but we're not going to get attacked by these types of things that were so typical in that everyday life in so many years before, but now we don't have those things, so other stresses have replaced them, like counts on your TikTok video, you know, whether or not you're going to get a friendship group, walking into high school is like walking into a piranha hyenas den where you're trying to work out who you're going to be friends with and that is a fight or flight response when you're realizing all of these other stresses around you are going to impact your social situation if you start thinking about it there are so many neanderthals that's what i meant neanderthal era there we go i knew it was in there somewhere but all of these different things in life implicate that fight or flight response and when i was placed in this new situation when i was placed in london All of a sudden, I started to have more fight or flight responses because this was an area that was out of my comfort zone. I didn't have a comfort zone. It was out of my familiar surroundings. And so I placed myself in it and it was okay. But then all of a sudden, then I was thinking, what? how am I going to do all these things? I had deadlines coming up. I had essays due. And then I came home and I was faced with the reality that I had to complete all these deadlines for the first time. I had exams due and I didn't know what to do about them. I would never had exams for like so many years and I was really stressed about it and anxious and it just shows in my heart rate and in how my skin was reacting and I know when your body is stressed when it's in that fight or flight response your stress hormones which include cortisol which are released and when they're released in large amounts like I was saying in periods of chronic stress when I moved to London I had all of these fight or flight responses going on and I know they're silly with fight or flight response fight or flight responses. It's hard to say that quickly. I know it's like picking a shampoo, did I really need to get that anxious and overwhelmed about it? Absolutely not. But I did, okay? And that's the thing. And it's these periods of chronic stress, when I have all of my deadlines due, that it starts to then implicate you because these cortisol levels, which I found out on this Pfizer on Pfizer's website, suppress your immune system and increase inflammation throughout the body, So our king that why my face was so red, why my skin then broke out, and then that tends to exacerbate the eczema symptoms. And apparently this stress eczema is like this vicious cycle because you're stressed, your skin gets worse, you develop eczema then your skin gets you get more stressed about your skin and it's just like this vicious vicious negative cycle where you're constantly perpetuating the things that are going on and they don't seem to stop themselves and it's only once I've recently learned how to calm my skin down and how I am going to calm down how I kind of I finished the module I finished my deadlines and then all of a sudden I had the half marathon to train for so I started going for long runs And it gave me a two-hour period every single Saturday where I had to do something just for my mindset. And I started to get on top of the podcast. I was good at recording episodes on time. I got really organised. I quit my job, you know, I don't work as the nanny anymore because I just honestly, guys, I was so stressed with it all. I couldn't fit anything in. I felt so overwhelmed, and you can see it in my heart rate. It was so high all of the time, and that's not healthy. And I dropped all of these things. I freed up more time for myself. I made myself start exercising more. I got back to the gym, and I didn't. I, although I knew the gym was having a good men, like benefit on me mentally, I didn't really know how. And now I see it, and how my stress levels decreased. The cutoff point from when I didn't use to exercise to when I started exercising again and doing things that make me feel good and started actually managing my ADHD. And I think it's also really interesting that all of these things correspond with when I got my diagnosis. And I think this is why diagnosis... I understand, I did a med, I, like, you guys know I did a module in medical anthropology last term and about the medicalization of different illnesses and about our need to provide labels on things so that we understand different diseases and everything and it was really interesting but I do think one of the best things about, although like once you've got a label, these kind of, once I'm told I have ADHD, they have a social life, these different labels, they have a thing that then makes people aware that you of ADHD and it can make people treat you differently, like as awful as that is, that is the truth. I'm aware of telling different like companies if I want to apply for a job. I'm aware when I say I have ADHD because I don't want it to implicate my job. And it's kind of a new world that I am working out how I also don't know when to say it because I don't know really how to say it. Do you know what I mean? It's not something that I'm used to saying yet. I don't know where to put it. It feels a bit weird putting it on my CV. Oh, and I have ADHD. Do you know what I mean? It just feels weird. And I am also scared that I wouldn't get a job which I, a job interview, which I know they would have to give me one because it's um, discrimination if they don't. So I know they would have to. It's just a silly thing that I don't really know how to talk about yet in terms of a professional environment. But it's this kind of once I knew I had ADHD, I then started actually researching ways that I could manage it and I could do things that would make me feel better. And I became aware of the exercise was going to be a massively important thing for me and it suddenly all clicked about why i'd always really enjoyed sport and it's because for me that's the only time my brain can switch off is when when all of my body is doing something then my brain goes quiet and i think another thing that i've realized my brain only goes quiet this is quite a bad one actually i don't think i've really talked about this that much but The reason I think sometimes I work myself so hard, so hard, like I was working till like two in the morning last night, it's ridiculous, I didn't need to be doing that either, I just did it, is because when I work really hard, that's when my brain is quiet. When I'm tired, my brain kind of like switches off a bit and it's quiet and it's nice. I don't have a thousand thoughts, I just feel calm and kind of just like very still and I don't feel like that unless I work really, really hard because I've used up all my mental energy. So it's like... Feeling burnt out isn't nice, but having a quiet mind sometimes is nice. And I think that's something that I now need a much healthier way of providing that calm mind to myself. I can't keep burning myself out. I can't keep trying to push myself to the limit so that I experience that feeling of burnout. Because not not burnout. It's not. I don't. It's not as extreme as burnout. It's just like sometimes if I work really hard and then I don't feel as tired, then I feel a bit tired the next day, but I like feel all right and I can do it. my brain just feels a bit tired afterwards and I think that is sometimes quite a relaxing way to feel sometimes not all the time sometimes it feels awful but just some of the times it can feel like more relaxing but anyway this has been kind of one of the things I'm now realizing is when I found out about the ADHD diagnosis and I had to start managing my stress and doing things proactively to look after myself I started also no to manage my ADHD I actually started for the first time managing my stress I'd never done it before I'd never thought about the impact of exercise on managing my stress, the importance of sleep, because sleep clears your brain. I never understood this, but sleep wipes all of that stress from your brain. It allows your body to process all of the extra cortisol in its bloodstream. It allows you to clear the bloodstream. It gets rid of the excess hormones and imbalances that you have. It's a really, really kind of purifying part of your routine, and sleep is so important. And so I started to properly look after my sleep schedule, she says after going to bed at 2am, but it's also okay when you don't have to do it all the time. Um, And so I came better at sleeping, exercise, sleep. And then another thing that changed once I got the diagnosis, which also all of these things made me manage my stress levels, because I also realised, as I said at the start, when I am kind of when I set myself all of these different things that I have to do, like, you have to journal, you have to do gratitude list, you have to work out, you have to blah, 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 blah. It's a massive list of things to do, okay? Especially when I have to, like, study and then do a podcast and then work. It's like, it's just a, a chunky list. I feel really guilty when I don't complete it all. And I'm not saying, like, things like my job, obviously you have to complete that, but some things on the list are optional. Sometimes I just can't face it, sometimes I just don't want to do it. And I used to feel really guilty for that really guilty for giving myself that time off when I should have been doing the other things but I'm now realizing that that's actually just giving me more stress like what's the point if I want to do it then I'll do it and that's okay but making myself feel really bad because I didn't manage to write down 10 things I felt grateful for totally defeats the object of writing down the 10 things you know that's not I'm writing it so I feel good about myself and so I feel good about the world around me if I don't feel up for writing it all out then I can just feel good about the world around me and I kind of rather than writing I just sit in bed and I think about 10 different things I'm really grateful for and I feel grateful for them because I remember the core reason why I'm doing all of these things is to make myself grateful and present and aware of the world around myself they're tools to help me get somewhere those things that I do in themselves aren't essential you know what I mean They're part of the journey to get me to a certain place but they're not the actual thing I need to be doing. They're not providing the feeling, they're just a way to get to the feeling and I can experience the feeling of calm in many other different ways. And sometimes I'm not going to be able to do it all. But it's weird, when I got the ADHD diagnosis, I became so much more compassionate to myself. I said to myself, it's okay that you haven't done that. It's okay that you feel really anxious today. It's okay that you feel really overwhelmed. It's okay. We're going to just take this day as it comes and then we'll sort out when we get home. Then we'll take tomorrow as it comes and it's all of these little things about kind of taking the day as it comes, seeing how we feel, not thinking too far ahead, understanding that sometimes I'm going to struggle with things more than other people and understanding that sometimes I need more help than other people and that's okay and I think this is the biggest thing that I want you to take away from this podcast about stress is the... Danger that stress can play in your life and the way it can manifest in physical symptoms can be really, really dangerous for your long-term health. Really, really dangerous. And it's something that you can be proactive against. And it took me getting diagnosed with something totally different to start managing that other thing that I got diagnosed with to actually start managing my stress levels now. And I think for the first time, I still really struggle. I still find days where I feel really anxious or I feel really overwhelmed or I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. You guys know that it's not days where I feel like that, but I've got better coping mechanisms now. And this week I woke up every day and I felt really, really happy, really happy. You know, I felt really happy with my life. I felt really happy with the things around me and there were stress things and there are things that I'm just like not unsure about, but I feel happy. And I think it's been a while since, oh, it sounds really deep and like, Like, I've been depressed or something like that. I haven't been depressed. Not that there's anything wrong with being depressed, but I haven't been. Um, And I think this has been the thing, it's been the first time in a while that I've woken up and felt really excited and happy and, like, giggly and just smiley. You know, I've always woken up and felt, like, happy, like, it's going to be a good day. But I haven't felt giggly and just, like, proper, proper with, like, a massive grin on my face, like, I can't wait for today. And so I think these are things that... I'm getting better at the next thing I want to learn to manage my stress and like how I'm going to go forward is I want to manage my stress at night. I find that before I go to bed, I feel quite anxious, feel quite anxious about the next day starting. And so I'm going to start reading before I go to bed. And I'm hoping that's going to help. I was talking to my mum about it and she said, like, reading always used to be a massive thing for you. And I think you'd really benefit if you did it again before you go to sleep, learning to calm yourself down, because I am on my phone a bit too much at the moment, being honest. I am, it's true and I need to cut back and so I'm going to start reading before bed but these are all little changes that I'm now... I feel like because I got diagnosed with ADHD I'm more proactive in making myself do things to manage it and it's really strange that it took me getting diagnosed with something totally different for that to happen and I don't want that to be the same for all of you. You don't need to get diagnosed with something just to think stress is dominating my life and it's not okay and we're all so young, if we start learning ways that we can manage this stress now, it's going to be massively beneficial in years to come because stress is always going to be there. There's going to be different stresses, but there is always going to be stress there. And I think there is definitely a limit on how much stress every person can take. And this is the other thing. Everyone is able to cope with different levels of stress. Like everyone can have different levels of sleep. Everyone can cope with different levels of stress. Everyone has different cutoff points that are too much. And if you can understand where your cutoff points are and if you can try and minimise that kind of stress becoming overwhelming for you if you can work out the things that make you feel good you can make sure that you implement time in your day to fully focus on yourself and kind of like like i was listening to a diary of a ceo with chris it's the one i put in the podcast and the newsletter but it was like he was talking about the impact of stress and how everyone's stress has like stress buckets and in these buckets they're all different sizes But people have different bricks that fill them up before the stress gets added and if you can start unpacking these bricks, these kind of things you have from previous years that are giving you a total underlying understanding of just no, a total underlying stress level, if you can try and minimise that, the amount that you can cope with and remove on a day to day basis is easier. And if you carry on doing these things every day, so for me it's exercising, it's giving myself my brain time to read. I'm trying to really focus on feeling less anxious before I go to sleep. And it's talking to people. Talking to people about my stress levels has been really important. If you can do these types of things, then it's kind of like you're emptying your bucket of stress every single day. It means that you you can cope with life. That one thing isn't going to push you over the edge. It sounds silly, but I'm really not good at talking about how I feel. Like, really bad, actually. It's one of my biggest things that I have been told I need to work on. I'm really, really bad at saying how I feel to everyone other than you. Um, I'm not good at it. I'm not good at explaining when I feel off. I'm not good at explaining my emotions when I feel them immediately. It takes me quite a lot of time to work out how I'm feeling. And that has negatives because it means in a current situation when someone needs like when you're in an argument or when you're just trying to have a discussion I close up I'm like Pfft, like a, you can't see me right now but like I literally just close in on myself and I'd rather just not say anything and not talk about it and I don't know why I have that character trait of not wanting to speak about things it literally makes no sense but it's again another thing that literally a problem shared is a problem halved and there's a reason that's a saying it really truly is as soon as I've spoken to people about anything that I'm going through, I've realized it's not actually that scary. So I think that's another thing that I am getting better at, but I really struggle with. So maybe we can all get better at it together. But anyway, onto the question part for this week's podcast. Okay, onto the question part for this week's podcast. So let's start with I'll go into, I always screenshot the ones that are on Instagram because I find them hard to read. What's your biggest regret? Hmm. Hmm. My biggest regret is not being kinder to to myself. I think about so many times when I've beaten myself up about different things I've gone through, where I've stressed about things, where I've ruined an experience because I've just pushed myself so hard and expected so much from myself. And guys, there's enough people in the world that are going to... There's enough things in the world that are going to do that for you. Do you know what I mean? There's so many things out there that around not i don't want to be like miserable there's so many people out there to hurt you there's not loads of people out there to hurt you that's not i mean but i mean like there's so many things in life that are going to humble you that aren't going to go to plan that are going to be a bit of a wake-up call that you don't need to constantly be horrible to yourself literally so many things in the world are trying to tear other things down there seems to be this need in society for there to be this like constant winner and in doing that it tears up every other version of it around itself Does that make sense? It's like I think about beauty standards and there's this need to have this ideal body, but that ideal body changes every single time, changes every single summer, depends on who's famous in this year, who's famous last year. You look at the Kardashians and how their body types have changed over the years and how that's dictated different beauty trends and the impact that's having all of our understandings of our own body and the ways that we treat ourselves. And I follow so many like anti-diet culture and kind of body positivity accounts and listening to their and reading their content and supporting their content has been something that's been very quite like revolutionary in understanding how much I used to hate myself. You know? Not to be dramatic. Maybe hate's too strong of a word, but my biggest regret is not being kinder to myself. Because, you know, you're in your own head from the moment you're born till the moment you die. You deserve to love yourself just as much as you love everyone else around you. And I wish... I remembered that and kept that at the forefront. And I also wish I didn't worry so much about everything. I think that's sometimes my regrets, uh, not being kind enough to myself and also blowing things out of proportion, realising that it's never the end of the world. It's never the end of the world. Do you know? Life goes on. Life does go on. Life always goes on. There's always going to be a new day, you know? There's always the next day. You can always try again. And sometimes I think I've got this quite, like, reductionist approach. I used to have this more of, like, reductionist approach to life where it's like this, 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 this. Like, this results in this. This results in this. It's all or nothing. If I don't do this, nothing else is going to work. My life is going to be a failure. Like, very catastrophizing, dramatic, so much pressure. And I wish sometimes that I hadn't been like that as a kid. I'd just taken each day as it comes and I'd realised that everything is going to be okay, and I'd enjoyed it all a bit more. I think that's my biggest regret but it's not also a regret it's just a lesson how could i have known all of these things without experiencing them how could i have known to appreciate life to realize that it's not the end of a world how could i have known to love myself and be kind to myself if i hadn't have learned about all of these things so although yes and a regret also an understandable one you know like i don't actually regret it i just if i could go back in time that'd be a great thing to fix but i had to learn it and that's why i didn't know before Okay, let's do the next one. Productivity, organization at uni. My mind is chaos and I cannot organize my ADHD brain. Systems, get systems in check. I have ridiculous systems that make sense to me. I write so many to-do lists. I love a list. I have a wallpaper, um, kind of like an on my wall diary of every single thing that is going on in my life. I keep everything on my phone, I have so many reminders, and I think it's just being so proactive in things, and that's how you organise your ADHD. I'll do a whole thing on ADHD, like, I'll send you a message about the different things that I do, but, um, like, being proactive in everything that you do really helps things get on, like, stop getting on top of you. Start doing assignments early, the earlier the better, because you don't have, kind of, when you have ADHD, it's a struggle to do things on time because you get so distracted so you need to give yourself extra time so give yourself that extra time understand that your brain works differently and you need to do things beforehand and people say to you oh my god you're starting that essay already it's not due for like a month yes i am starting it already because it's going to take me three times as long as it's going to take you to do it and that's okay and it's realizing that your brain works differently i think having also but like give yourself days to do admin and just do the jobs that you keep putting off because you feel overwhelmed because I do that I put off jobs that I feel overwhelmed about and you know it doesn't help things in the long run okay another one right I keep getting like anonymous messages I was talking to my boyfriend about this and he was like do you not find the anonymous thing creeping I was like sometimes because I get messages like I know what you did that's one of them that's come in I got another one like where is it It was really a little bit scary. It was like all of your friends hate you or like one of your friends is lying to you about something and they know what you did. And I was just a bit like, what? Where is it? I want to find it now. I'm going to find it. Okay, I can't find it. But guys, please stop sending me these things unless maybe all my friends are lying to me about something and someone does know what I did because I don't know what I did. So... (laughs) guess we'll find out together okay let's go for I'm gonna pick randomly let's go for this one what time did you go to bed last night um not proud at 20 to 3 in the morning not my finest moment was meant to be getting a solid eight hours sleep I didn't get a solid eight hours sleep but that's okay I had to do some studying and you know these things happen in life where other things go in get in the way of things you know okay i have now got a good selection we're ready i always need to go through and like randomly screenshot them because they just go away and i can't remember where they are and there's so many so here we go how do you get into a good routine when revising for exams i find myself procrastinating constantly and then feeling guilty etc cetera, etc cetera. do it straight away i wake up i first thing i do when i get out of bed is i go to the gym because if i realise if i have to sit and wait for the gym i get very anxious about it very silly i know it's silly no need to feel anxious about the gym. I love the gym, but I get very anxious about it. And so realising this, realising that I feel overwhelmed about it and doing it first thing stops me feeling so overwhelmed around it. And that really helps me. So doing the things I don't want to do first stops me procrastinating them. And it also stops me kind of getting so overwhelmed about it. And then that makes me procrastinate longer. You're normally procrastinating because you don't want to do something. So if you just do it straight away, then that's gone out of the window. Normally once you start something, you realise it's not that bad. So that would be my biggest tip for getting into a good routine for exams is do things straight away. Set yourself for things you have to do each day. Give yourself daily tasks that like, work out how much work you have to do, divide it by how many days you have, work out how much you have to do each day and stick to that routine. Just little like chunks at it, just tapping away getting to where you want to go and eventually you'll get to the point you want to get to. But that's been really helpful. Planning my time, dividing it by how many days I have, doing that amount each day and doing it straight away in the morning. And then you don't spend your entire day dreading it. I think that's important. And then you'll get into a good routine. Just tell yourself you're doing that amount every single day. That really helps. Okay. Do you have trust issues? Hmm. Maybe. Maybe I do have a bit of trust issues. I don't know. I think I am... I, um, I do get scared people are going to leave. Because it's so easy to leave. That worries me sometimes. I worry that, like, most people I love most in the world could literally decide that they don't want to be around me anymore and then they'd go, and that makes it tricky. Um, I think past relationships and stuff has made me more aware of people's ability to leave. And that's maybe given me some trust issues, but... It's not something that's so dominant in my life anymore. Yes, I used to have much more trusting issues. I used to think that people were just going to go. And so I think that made me quite like self-reliant, but also a bit standoffish at points, I wouldn't really rely on people sticking around. And now I know that people do stick around and that people won't leave. So maybe not anymore. But I think I did at some points. I think going into new relationships after old relationships is really hard. And that's something that I struggled with a lot. Okay, I'll do maybe one more question, maybe two more questions. I don't know. How old do you want to be when you get married? You know, when I was younger, this is disgusting. I used to want to be married at 24. Two years from now. Two years from now, I think I might have done this question. Someone asked this last week, but I used to want to be married. For, like, I, because obviously, when you're young, when I was eight, 24 literally felt like a billion, trillion miles away. And now I am 22. I'm like, nope. Do not want to get married next year. Thank you. No, 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 no. Maybe I was thinking this. My mum had me when she was 30. And I think, I think I could see myself being a mum maybe at 30. I don't know but I can see it happening, like I'll be in a good position in my career then hopefully, like I can see why she waited until 30, maybe 28, but like all of these things, it's it's like a random number that I'm kind of thinking I'll be ready for them, but I might not be ready for them, it literally totally depends on who I'm getting married to, like what my life is like, so I think it's hard to, every time I end up picking a number for something and saying I want to do this by then, it never works out like that, because life gets in the way, Things change, your opinion, your opinion changes. I might, when I'm 28, actually realise I don't want to get married. Like, I'm not interested in being married because that's not something that I want to do. Fine, like, and that's going to change everything, you know? So I think, at the moment, I don't know, but final question, are you judgmental? No, but I do hold a grudge, <laughs> which is quite something I'm working on. But if you do something to me or any of my friends, like, it's really horrible. I'm really bad at forgiving people. Obviously, oh, no, I'm just bad at it. Like, I am bad at it, because I'm just like, well, fuck you then. <laughs> like, I, there's so many people in the world, I don't need the negativity. And I'm just like, nope. So maybe not judgmental, but I am good at holding a grudge, which is something I'm working on. It's something that I'm working on. But anyway, on to the new things that I've done this week. <laughs> okay new things that i've done this week i need to really round this up very quickly because i said i'd go make milkshakes with my sister and this podcast has ended up being so much longer than i expected to so we need to be very very quick but new things that i've done this week is i went to go see comedy of errors last saturday and it was brilliant it was so funny and it's like a modern adaptation based in scarborough it was really like you know and you just laughed the entire time so that was really really good i also started watching gone girl which i've watched it before my boyfriend hadn't watched it before so i said i'd watch it with him which is very nice of me because i I don't like rewatching films twice. I get bored, um, and he literally fell asleep within the first ten minutes. So we didn't watch that. But Louis, if you are listening, we will be watching it next time I see you because I was so invested. I forgot what a great film it was. um It's a bit scary. It's like kind of like a thriller, and so I enjoyed that. We also watched whilst we were back in Scarborough. We watched um the Louis Capaldi documentary, and that was really, really good. It was sad, and it was a, it was like a hard watch. But it was really brilliantly done, and I really enjoyed watching that. So those are the three things that I've been watching at the moment. Listening-wise, I really would recommend The Diver CEO with Chris. I can't remember. I think it's, like, Williamson. Really, really good episode. I thought it was really interesting and, like, thought-provoking. And I enjoyed listening to it. And I also really enjoyed the one with Lewis Capaldi. Really interesting listening to... Having listened to that episode and then watched the documentary on it. It was, like, a nice combination, because you get to hear, like, kind of two sides of the story. More... Yeah, no, it was just interesting. It was really, really, it was a good to watch and I enjoyed watching those kind of listening and watching to those back to back. But anyway, I need to go because I've got to go and watch Make a Strawberry Milkshake with I'm Gonna Make Ice Cream and just mm, it's going to be really good I am excited but if you don't already please make sure that you subscribe to the podcast please make sure that you follow me on instagram and on tiktok at you've got mail underscore pod make sure you give a little rate a review anything guys it massively helps me and it helps so many more people find me but I'm going to start back at the gym next week so this is going to be new things as Bella gets back on track with her life but thank you for being here and listening It honestly means the world and I hope you do something lovely for yourself this week but I'll speak to you soon and I love you and thanks for being here love you UK bye